Hello and welcome to the Northern Gora podcast. Thank you so much for listening and being here today. Uh, this is a podcast that aims to share tips, tricks, and content on growing in colder northern zones. Um, so a big thank you to those that have been listening, but we have also been getting lots of new listeners as well. So welcome here. Um, uh, for example, I am a grower in Zone 3 here in Northern Alberta, and so this podcast is just a place to share uh, my experiences as we do we do farm and grow for seed production. We grow with the aim of selling as well as providing foods for food for our family. We do grow here with the aim of selling seeds for market, um, and I just wanted to share my experiences with the hope of generating a community and just a shared space for us northern growers in particular. Um, whilst I love and follow lots of different bloggers, Instagrammers, podcasters from all different uh, walks of gardening life, I do feel the content is very heavily aimed at uh, warmer climates. And I often felt there was a bit of space missing for those of us who or if maybe like me or Northern Europe or uh, North America here, we're zone three. And I just felt there was a little bit uh, of content missing there. And I just hope to be able to fill that gap uh, with our experience we have had growing here. We are uh, very, very cold here. So we have, I think, was it three? We have about three months on average of frost free days. So it's a very short growing season. So um, welcome here if you decided to listen. Um, and like I said, this place is for northern growers in particular, but all gardeners, homesteaders, and growers, new or seasoned alike, you are welcome here as well. So do feel free. Particularly, I know lots of people just enjoy listening to any gardening content. And sometimes it is also interesting to just hear how other gardeners do it. So today's episode is part of my mini-series on growing garden staples. Today's staple is going to focus on the reliable and wonderful pea. And the last two episodes I have done so far, we have talked about tomatoes and corn. So please feel free to give those a listen if you are interested in those. Oh, and I do have to say, um, blessed Ostara as well. Happy Spring Equinox, however you celebrate it. Uh, this weekend as I'm recording is the spring equinox and I feel those of us in colder northern places are welcoming this shift now in the seasons and the earth and we will just be happy to have some longer warmer brighter days for sure it's probably all in my head but I swear when I woke up this morning the sun just feels different just feels brighter and warmer already so I think I'm just really looking forward to summer this year. It has been quite a long winter for sure. So back to peas. So we're going to focus on peas today. And peas are such a staple for many gardeners. I feel I'm going to say this with everything in my Gardening Essentials series, but I aim to just cover the essentials, the staples. And I think generally like corn, uh, peas are such a big part of our diet. I know on our homestead with our family, 
we probably have quite a pea-heavy diet. It is a staple vegetable for us. Um, so, well, technically, I should say I said vegetable. We tend to call them vegetables, but technically they are legumes. And so these are plants that produce pods with their seeds inside them. So things like chickpeas and beans would also be legumes. So technically, peas are a legume, just like a chickpea and a bean. They are grow in pods. Um, they are also just high in protein and fiber. And they are just delicious to eat fresh from the pod, or depending on how you store them, they can hold up well in storage, um, frozen or canned, although uh, we just freeze our peas here. Uh, but FYI, we do eat a ton of peas just as snacks when they're in season. We love just picking them fresh from the plant and shelling them out the pod and eating them right away. So we eat a ton of fresh peas throughout over the summer months and um, we do freeze a fair few as well. But we usually end up, we usually eat a lot of peas that we end up having to, we do supplement our peas uh, with store-bought peas as well because we just really eat a lot and we enjoy them too much in the summer. And every year I always say we need to make a bigger pea garden and it somehow just never feels like a big enough pea garden. So peas, another reason why I love peas, I don't know about you listening, but peas also bring up just really homely memories from my childhood. Um, my grandparents had an allotment which in the if you're in the UK it's almost like a community garden type thing um but in the UK allotments are the kind they're like garden spaces where you can essentially rent them out allotment life is a pretty big deal among gardeners in the UK um but you can rent out allotments and grow a lot of people traditionally will use them to grow vegetables and I think, I'm not too sure on the 100% on the history, but a lot of houses, if you think of the older tenement style housing in the UK, a lot of houses as well, traditionally, that were built earlier, don't have uh, big yards or any yards, really. So the allotment life kind of sprang up as a way of allowing people to have access to growing vegetables. But I just have so many wonderful childhood memories of Going there in the summers and picking peas and shelling just bowlfuls and bowlfuls of them. And of course, just eating them along the way. And then when the cold kind of damp summer, because it was coastal England. So there's that cold damp air in the evenings when that cold damp chill comes in off the sea. And we could just sit by the fireplace and shell and eat peas. And it just... It really just has so many wonderful memories for me. And I kind of, every time I plant peas and I'm shelling them, I think I talk about my memories of doing this as a child probably all the time. People are probably sick of hearing me talk about those memories again. They're like, oh no, you've already mentioned this several times, but here we go, we're shelling peas again. She's going to talk about it. Um, but I just really hope, part of me hopes that that's something special we can also pass on to our friends or children, whoever you might invite over to come and help you harvest and shell peas. And that's something special. We should hold on to those memories, right? 
Um, so today's episode, I'm going to share a combination of general info and tips for growing peas and also mostly how we grow them here on our homestead. So varieties, varieties of peas. We do like a variety called the Little Marvel Pea, and that is also one we produce for um, sale. But another one I do enjoy growing in our garden here as well is the Homesteader. It's quite a dependable pea, but I also do enjoy smaller, sweeter varieties. So some of those are my two favorite uh, varieties. And some there is some difference in varieties of peas. You have to just look and see what variety you are interested in because some varieties like snap and snow peas have an edible pod, so uh, which we eat, if, particularly if you like stir fries or anything like that. Um, we just, you would throw the whole pea and pod in there. So the snap and snow peas do have the edible pods, but other varieties like the aforementioned, the little marvel, the homesteader, um, they do not have an edible pod. It would be not that, not that nice to eat that. So let's get to growing. We've got a varieties that we like to go and let's get to growing. So oddly enough, although I say that we pretty much start all of our vegetables and plants indoors, we do have some exceptions and peas are one of those. Because this is why they're so good for us northern growers because peas are, they are really okay with cooler temperatures. They really don't mind, I think the soil can even be as low as seven degrees to sow peas where you think of like that core and really like the higher temperatures in the last episode. So peas are, they're okay with cooler temperatures um, and we actually direct sow our peas outside and you can generally do this depending on your climate anytime from February to April. Uh, we may, we will wait more towards the end of April so about four weeks or so before the last frost date, or last frost date is typically end of May. Um, but they do enjoy sun, and the bed needs to be quite dry, so before you sow, you need a sunny spot, and the bed needs to be quite dry and well-drained um, before you plant. So although peas do like the cooler soil, they don't really like the really soggy uh, ground. You can end up with rot in your um, seeds there. And um, they generally, so we would generally wait until the spring thaw. So we kind of get those couple of weeks when the spring thaw starts, which is just the ground is just so wet and soggy and boggy. But we do need to wait until it dries out a little bit before we sow them directly into the ground. And generally mid to late April for us is when the ground can mostly be worked well. Uh, this year we've had a bit of a warmer, although we had a very, very cold February, we are having a warmer than usual March. So our ground is actually um, drying out. So we've been out prepping beds and whatnot already, but usually mid to late April is when the ground can mostly be worked well for us. And the fantastic thing is peas can handle the odd snow day or cool day. So although pretty much until the end of May, May long weekend here on our homestead, we can still get snowfall. Um, the odd day or two, peas can handle it. It's that it's when you get the long periods of prolonged snowfall and colder temperatures that um, will not be good for them. But 
we here plant them out end of April and we're going to get the odd day of snow or the odd, those frost days are still going to be there and the peas for us are able to handle that pretty well. Um, and we, so let me talk about sowing. So you can sow seeds, uh, typically you can sow seeds two to five centimeters deep in rows or the way we like to do it, we just scatter our seeds on the beds. Um, that way works for us. So we prep our beds, we get our bed ready, it's nice and dry, it's a warmer, sunnier day in the spring. And we just go out and we scatter the we scatter the, our seeds. We don't um, even bother to plant them in the soil. We just scatter them on top of the bed. And we still have good germination rates that way. And that way, though, our seeds, they don't grow in rows. They almost grow more bush-like. We do have a crisscrossing, um, we kind of criss, we make, um, at either end of our bed, we'll set up trellises, and then we crisscross and run, um, like, uh, twine and things for the peas to grow up, and we do put trellises along the beds, um, and they kind of grow into more thicker, tanglier, bush-type uh, plants, which is fine for us because we tend to grow the little marvel. And so they do grow more bush-like. Um, but yeah, like we don't plant the seeds in rows in the ground. We just scatter. And for us personally, that works really well. And, you know, I'm all about efficiency. So if the, our method works as well, why not just do that? Why are we going to sit and plant in rows, right? So... It works good. We provide trellising. So we do, like I said, mentioned, we do provide trellises and um, like a fence system for our peas to grow up. And you should probably do that too for peas. Provide them with something to climb. Um, they do like to climb. So a fence, trellis, anything like that for your peas to climb up. Um, and you should... So as they're growing, they're pretty low maintenance. Like a bee, peas, I don't really pay much attention to. Uh, once they get going, they are pretty hardy, uh, pretty happy little plants. Um, the first thing that we do check regularly for with our peas is uh, insect damage. So you should check regularly for signs of insect damage. Slugs can get so we usually have problems with slugs getting to our bottom peas. So the pea pods, when they start to grow on those lower, um, when they start to grow on the lower branches and lower parts of the plant, they start to get pretty slug eaten. Um, so we do have to watch for those. Um, we have been trying out new methods of like uh, trap cropping. We've got nasturtiums this year as well to uh, try and increase our trap cropping availability and varieties just which is good for biodiversity too in our garden of course um, and we're hoping that will help the slugs and the peas a bit a bit more um, but generally I haven't we don't have that many issues here in our climate with peas S the slugs were just so bad last year we had a very unseasonably wet summer and slug damage was a real issue like we had beer traps and citrus traps and 
our trap cropping we had tried was definitely not strong enough as I would have liked last year. So uh, we're going to be upping that game this year just in case. Although, uh, depending on how much stock you put in the almanac, I believe the almanac is forecasting for a drier. In fact, I think I read this morning they're forecasting a drought on the prairies this summer, but don't hold me to that. And like I said, some people really buy it, like, love the almanac, swear by it. Some people just think it's a load of um, bogus, basically. So we're just going to wait and see. I like reading it out of interest, but we just wait and see, see what the season brings. Um, the next thing is that peas are low maintenance. They aren't super soakers like corn, so they don't need to be as wet and as well watered as corn. Of course, they still need water, um, but they aren't big super soakers and they are fairly productive. So generally, you know, last year was, like I said, a wet summer, but our climate generally in the summer, we have short growing seasons. They're a bit cooler um, and typically they're a bit drier. Our rain, we don't really tend to get rain unless it falls as afternoon or evening thunderstorms and we get like a heavy burst. And so peas generally, they do pretty good in our uh, zone three climate we have here because they just, they're just well suited to it. So um, generally peas are a pretty good, pretty good thing for us to grow. And harvesting, you can harvest when the pods are full, uh, the peas will be green. So if you're harvesting to eat, not to, not for seed, but if you're harvesting to eat, um, this, the peas will be green and the pods will feel quite full. You should just be able to feel the outside of the pod and you'll be able to feel those full pea, round peas in there. You can also do multiple sowings of peas. So you can extend your harvest over several weeks, which is something we also like to do. So have your first sow of peas, then a few weeks later, sow some more, and you could even do another run a few weeks later. So it just extends your harvest um, into late summer, early fall, because then you are getting um, your first and second and third harvests, which is nice. And then once you harvest, just enjoy them fresh or frozen for storage and you should blanch peas before freezing. Just as a quick tip there, if you're going to freeze your peas, make sure you blanch them first and then make sure they are dried because if you have peas that are wet and then you put them straight into the freezer, they'll like freeze together in a clump. So just make sure you dry them well before you put them in and that will try that way you can help make sure that when you're getting your peas out of your Ziploc or mason jar, whatever you store them in in the freezer, they're not frozen together in a big clump, but more individual peas. And that is our quick uh, 101 on pea growing here on our homestead. If you do have questions, please email us at the Northern Grower Podcast at gmail.com. You may follow us at green.witch.seed.co which is my, uh, our kind of personal Instagram account of our homestead here. And if you want to take a look at the website for seeds, or there is a blog up on there as well, you can go to greenwitchseed.ca. Thank you so much for listening, and I wish you a wonderful weekend and bountiful growing season.